0: And welcome to another episode of Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. Today's Sunday, March 3rd, 2019, which means that, can you believe it, next year is another
1: U.S. presidential election? Didn't we just have one with the whole Russia thing and all that? Or was that a while ago? Well,
0: 2016 never ended. It, it oh, certainly yeah, hasn't right. ended for the Democrats and the never Trumpers. They're right. still stuck in 2016.
1: Yeah. Pretty much,
0: but it is weird, though, isn't it? That it's like it is next year. I know, really, it's, it's still, a full good eighteen two months. years, really. But people, have, people have started. People have announced they're running as candidates for either party, and in a way, I think, um, as we'll get into now, I think Trump kind of spoke to the base again. He kind of relaunched himself. He never really stopped, but he spoke last week. Um, it was at the Conservative Political Action. Committee, committee is a conference. I'm not sure it's an annual event. Now that's so it wasn't you know put on just for him. This conference, organized by the American Conservative Union, has been going for ages. But I think it's his first speech at it. It was also Trump's longest speech. It ran for over two hours. He didn't give anything like that long even during his mega rallies when he was campaigning last time. So two hours plus. Um, it's funny. It's. It's pretty funny. It's obviously he's speaking to, you know, the base, the crowd love him. He brings out a lot of the old favorites. We know from the book that was written by Woodward, meant to tarnish him, but it also was pretty objective, I found, when I read it, um, that his staffers, some who are actually trying to derail him and others who like him and trying to help him, but they're all unanimous in agreeing that they're trying to get him to stay on script. Whatever you want to say, sir, fine, but just stick roughly to what we agree and prepare beforehand. But he keeps going off script, right? He's got a it's got a
1: habit. That, well, you explicitly said that the reason he was elected was because he goes off script.
0: Yeah, I think we might even hear that. We want to show uh, some highlights from it. Um, he's a loose cannon, but that's when he's best, and but that's but the, when he's.
1: But it's obviously true that people like people uh, politicians to go off script. The thing, I yeah. mean, he's absolutely true, and it's funny. You'll see in the video where he says, "You know, I I keep going off script, and um, but that's why." that's why i that's why we won or i won whatever uh last time because i went off script people love it when i go off script and we have to go off script basically otherwise you know we're not going to we're not going to get there you know we got to right. go off script and it's true uh that i think many people in the west and today in particular maybe around the world would be much more uh Look much more favorably, favorably, let's say, on politicians if they were to go off script. And what going off script simply means that they talk turkey. Basically, they say what they just talk like a normal person would. You know what they really and, think.
0: What's really up?
1: Yeah, and and that they relate to ordinary ordinary people basically, and 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 talk not from a pre prepared script that's designed to hit all the right notes type of thing that people hear over and over again. You know, basically platitudes. Yeah, uh, without any real. Uh, substance to them or, or anything that relates directly to what people are talking about. So it's obviously very attractive for the average voter to hear a politician or perspective, uh, politician or president of a country or prime minister or whatever, talk in the same way, more or less, about the same things in the same way as they talk to their friends about It really establishes a, a real connection directly to the people. Right. And that's, that's not the way Western politics has been done for, for a very long time.
0: It certainly isn't presidential. No, but We might even hear him cuss. Will we give a listen? Yeah, go ahead. Let's just play this, Scotty. Um, yeah, I think that's it.
2: Let us know on Sunday night. I got to be very careful when I talk about this. But it was the great tariff debate of 1888. And the debate was, we didn't know what to do with all the money we were making. We were so rich. And McKinley, prior to being president, he was very strong on protecting our assets, protecting our country. And he made statements that others cannot come into our country and steal our wealth and steal our jobs and build their country, and not defend our country we can 't do that we can 't ever allow that to happen
0: i 'm not sure what he 's referring to, but McKinley, I do know, was killed, and was he was assassinated. Not quite in office. He was removed from office. No, I think he was assassinated in office um, and replaced him with another Republican, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, Trump certainly knows his history, but I, I'd like to know what, he, <coughs> what was the debate he's talking about then.
1: Just about economics and isolationism. It's basically. interesting
0: that at the very least he ties it to that time because that there is a lot going on today. That's the turn of the century, mm-hmm. the struggles in the United States... Uh, immigration it, was a major issue.
1: 1844,
0: he is said, or 48. I think he said 1880. 80. Well, but it might even be later. I think McKinley was president just in the late like 1890s, mm-hmm. just at the turn of the century. Um. Anyway, that's that's all I want to say about that. Let's, let's carry on.
2: I don't know, maybe you know, you know, I'm totally off script, right? Thank you, darling. You know I'm totally off script right now. And this is how I got elected by being off script. And if we don't go off script, our country's in big trouble, folks, because we have to get it back. And when I look at what's happening on the other side, I encourage it. I say, no, no, I I think the New Green Deal, or whatever the hell they call it, (laughs) the Green New Deal, right? Green New Deal. I encourage it. I think that, I think it's really something that they should promote. They should work hard on. It's something our country needs. Desperately, they have to go out and get it. But I'll take the other side of that argument only because I'm mandated to. I'm mandated. But they should stay with that argument. Never change. Never change. No planes. No energy when the wind stops blowing that's the end of your electric let's hurry up (laughs) darling darling is the wind blowing today i'd like to watch television darling
0: He's like, bring it on to the Democrats and their Green New Deal, because he's pretty confident that most Americans will just absolutely trash it. We're like already laughing
1: at it. Um, 100
0: percent renewable energy in 10 years. Um, massive infrastructure redevelopment. The target being 10 years. Um, among, I mean, that's just that's just the hard not like the actual physical changes that would take place in the country. Say nothing of like basically. A hundred percent guaranteed employment for anyone who wants it, and anyone who's unwilling to work. As he can't, I mean, this is like a red rag, right, to the conservative America, to 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 most people in America. I think he's probably right, and he, he's he's, he's encouraging fun. to bring it on. Yeah, totally. Go go down that route. You've just handed me the twenty twenty election. He thinks
2: it's
1: uh, it's fundamentally anti-American. Uh the Green New Deal. Unfortunately, you know, so um. I'm not sure how anyone expects that uh Americans in general are going to uh are gonna, gonna vote for it like are gonna are gonna think it's a good idea and it's not going to do more damage to the to the democratic party and the people that are promoting it than yeah. that, than any benefit they might they obviously thought that it was a it was a good piece of a proposal to, to introduce that it would uh you know it would get some at least support from their base and, mm. and would encourage uh People to to think positively of 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 the that idea of green a green economy, mm-hmm. but uh, like I said, it's fundamentally anti-American, so um, it's it's not going to fly. Yeah, and I mean when I say fundamentally anti-American, I mean that significant majority of Americans will think it's a bad idea for because they're Americans basically, and because of the way Americans see themselves, see their country, and see the world, and yeah. see life and, he, he and he see pl- pl- life basically, and
0: he played to that there where it's like. The government's coming in here mandating that I travel a certain way um i don't think they actually say that, but that's the take home that 's what they they hear when they mm. say they want to build all these other things mm. to encourage where possible alternative means mm. of transport It's like hang on a second
1: well i'll it, choose yeah, I think how the, I travel the, the fear people see that there's a fear or the rejection that, that 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 there is to it from from i think a majority of people who who know about it let's say is because the premise of it is it's not just about, you know, improving infrastructure and changing the economy for just because it will improve. It'll it'll create jobs or it'll be better for the economy and stuff. That's not really. They're just like they're just uh, kind of added bonuses in a certain sense. And the reason people are afraid of it or, or don't like it is because the premise of it is that uh, you have to. We have to save the world from save cli- the planet from climate change. Basically, right. uh, that's why you need to green, green the economy effectively. To, to, like to Macron's the, message, right to save the planet. And the reason people st- are see the da- or people see a danger in that, is that it assumes a kind of a, a humanitarian moral uh, high ground that then would give them leverage to justify to, anything, well, well, to enforce it basically. Yeah, that this is this is the moral right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that because who doesn't want to save the planet right uh, the planet's in danger, uh, Ocasio cortez herself said that it was the planet would no longer exist in twelve years' time, so it 's an right. existential crisis for every single human being on the planet, uh, most important, most specifically Americans, obviously in this case, and uh, how could anybody not agree with it? Uh, what are you, are you uh, Do you hate the planet? Do you hate life? How can you not agree with this? Yeah. so then people feel that they will with that as the premise or the 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 foundation of the of the proposal that people will be forced to comply with it they'll f- be forced to and obviously it implies a significant expansion of government influence into the lives of ordinary people Where like basically your house has to be re refitted out to be uh, in compliance with green energy standards uh, you have to drive an electric car if you drive at all if you can't afford an electric car, which are quite expensive at least now and in for the foreseeable future or for the, in the short term, uh, then you have to take a train and it'll be an electric train, a, a green train basically and you know private transport with gas powered cars will be technically outlawed you know and they'll these people will feel that they have the moral right to yeah. force people to do that because save the planet. Yeah. Uh, not only save the planet, but they throw into the document uh, claims that um, that climate change has is exacerbating already systemic racism and discrimination against minorities. Uh, so there's there's another heavy dose of moralizing there Yeah. Uh, as well, which is a bizarre thing to say. I'm sure you can probably provide statistics that maybe back it up, but <laughs> to say that climate change increases racism and you know di- discrimination against minorities it's just yeah. it's a bizarre thing to say as or to use as your as your argument for revamping the economy you know i mean it's yeah. really it's given the bad press that you know identity politics essentially has taken as has received in the past few years yeah from a lot of people you know and there, i don't think there's many people who really think that identity politics in the way that it's being presented or has been presented over the past couple of years is a really a, a sensible or rational uh, thing you know, the, the, I think most people still retain the ability to see that that's just it's a bit crazy, basically. So yeah. for these people then to put essentially put that into put identity politics into a document that talks about revamping, over overhauling the economy, is just like wow. I
0: know, <laughs> social policy, environment plus economy. They they're going big, big vision. But what I find wild about this is that there's no, oh there are some because it's it's not across the board, Democrats supporting this, but there's sufficient support and certainly media support. I mean, they'll show you that Google searches about the Green New Deal and Mm. the extensive discussion in the States about it is is way up. Oh yeah, it's all over the media. Mm. What I find wild is that they're going with this. like It's kind of like a doubling down on all the things that Trump slash his conservative base in quotes doesn't like. We're going to double down on that and bet big because mm-hmm. this is obviously timed and done now, Oca- Ocasio-Cortez is young. She could have been just told whatever for years uh, it, and never maybe even given that platform, but they've clearly have gone ahead with it. This is basically, and that's why Trump loves it, the Democrats vision. They don't realistically think that they're actually going to get this law passed mm-hmm. at all, but they're saying this is more or less our mandate for mm-hmm. 2020 So, mm-hmm. support us in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild because surely any common sense, any common sense among them, they would have tried to re-strategize and try to meet the the conservative majority halfway, mm-hmm. done something to pull them out mm-hmm. and, and back to supporting mm-hmm. someone Democrat. Yeah. You would think that their next incarnation of a candidate, the, pr- the preferred one, and or the vision they represent be a bit would more be liber- something libertarian, uh, or something yeah, libertarian, like that. grassroots American, yada yada. No, apparently not. They've gone full globalist retard on this. Right. Never go full globalist retard, especially the year before an election in the United States of America. That's yeah. just crazy talk. There's only one candidate I can think of who's a reasonable option in that she, she gives a lip service to the social justice ideology, but she was also criticised because actually in the past. She, she she has a, a track record of being basically naturally socially conservative, like most Americans. That's Tulsi Gabbard. Um, on anti-war, she she's, she would easily appeal to both left and right in America. Mm-hmm. Um, on loving her country, on being a military, you know, a, a, vet. a vet and all that, she's definitely like a, ticks all the boxes for someone who would be an awesome Democrat, yet appealing compromise to pull back. Right some of that some of the voters some of those voters from trump but no what are they doing to her they're like shunning her they're doing the ron paul on her she's got almost no platform it'll be lucky she'll be fortunate if she is in the debates for the democratic democratic primaries she almost certainly won't make the democratic primaries because we know what happened to Bernie sanders last time and uh, they're already tarnishing as a russian stooge they've raked her over the coals just for basically saying the united states shouldn't be in syria she's Again, she climbed down on Assad, but I mean she's tarnished from the get-go because right. she actually went there and met Assad. But um, yeah, they—they—it's wild because they shoot themselves in both feet and the head and everything. They're dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. They're basically gifting Trump twenty twenty. Right, he just has to live but <laughs> from it, here to the right.
1: But in that and in that context, though, obviously, like we said at the beginning of the show, that the whole Russiagate thing <clears throat> hasn't. Um, gone away it's just been it's continued on since trump's election so that's why it seems like we're a bit shocked that there's more elections and another president's election next year it's so soon uh but it's because we really haven't gone through two full years uh since trump was elected more than two years since trump because it's really just been one long protracted period of time yeah uh, under which uh, trump has been repeatedly you know uh, demonised as a, as a Russian agent and the uh, Mueller investigation is just, you know, it's done a weird thing with the time yeah. time frame of it there. <coughs> not but, my
0: present. For them, it's still November 8th, 2016. Right. You're not my present. I don't recognise the results. Right. Can, can we get somebody to come and check this, please? Yeah. It hasn't turned it's Groundhog Day for them. Right. It's still November
1: 8th. <laughs> and what's interesting is the media is all of the media is still on that as well. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's why <clears throat> we, we get that impression that it's, that it hasn't changed. It hasn't, <clears throat> nothing's changed since Trump was elected in terms of what the media is, the, the message the media has been paying, putting out and what their main focus is um, because, well, it's been, I suppose it was reignited, although it didn't die out really uh, like we're saying, but it was, it, it it sparked up again just this week with um, Trump's former lawyer uh, Cohen, who was who gave testimony to was well, just just to Congress, no? He gave uh, to three like, committees, only right, one
0: of which was public.
1: Right. Uh, on well, just on dish the dirt on Trump, yeah. and uh, that's pretty much what it is, and it's in the context of the Mueller so-called Mueller invest, Mueller so-called investigation. Which just really has gone nowhere, hasn't produced anything of any substance about Trump, about the initial um, allegations made against Trump. The Mueller investigation has produced pretty much nothing, despite the fact that the media has repeatedly and continues to repeatedly try and make it seem like it's about to break mm some major scandal about trump that will impeach him or put an end to him you know he's the walls are closing in there was that video right. we played a few times of uh, for like basically since trump uh, was elected the media has repeatedly used this catchphrase of the m- with walls closing in and uh, bombshells going to drop and stuff over the past two years since he was elected trump repeatedly over and over again finished. any minute now he's finished he's gone bombshell the walls are closing in this really feels like impeachment yes 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 month after month after month there's a guy put together a YouTube video of, of those news reports on that. And there's they're just they keep doing it, you know? Um in response to I mean there's a few things I, mean, I suppose not surprising, but it's uh from the Guardian, the UK Guardian is is on this and there's a there's a couple of articles just um from from yesterday uh on the Cohen testimony. Um one of them you can put one of them up there Scotty um any one will do. It. Yeah that'll do. If Trump loses we know what to expect anger fear and disruption is the headline from an opinion piece uh, in the guardian which is basically what the guardian thinks uh, the Gar- all of the guardian thinks um uh, so what he's saying basically he's they're while upping the defamation or the the demonization of trump as a as a liar and a crook and a russia stooge and all this kind of stuff they're now because like we said, we're getting close to well, next year's the elections. They're they're starting to put out there the idea of 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 Trump. Um, uh, I, they're literally claiming that Trump will, in some way or other, refuse to um, refuse to lose. Right. That that it's like the worst case scenario is that Trump will win again next year, and then that'll be totalitarianism. As soon as he wins, if he wins, it'll be totalitarianism. But in that article, for example. Um, the, the, some of the text is that refers to um, Ma- Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, uh, testimony. And the, the the text goes, Among the most chilling words uttered this week by Michael Cohen, this is Trump's lawyer, uh, is that this, this is a quote from the guy, Given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, that there will never be a peaceful transition of power. And this is why I agreed to appear before you today. <laughs> I mean, so this guy's using these terms like he's playing, obviously, into it. he's been he's saying what he's expected to say. He's a turncoat, right? He's yeah. He's he's a liar and a, a, and a, a lawyer and a lawyer <laughs> and a thoroughly scurrilous human being, basically. Um, and he's just dishing. He's saying whatever you know. And in another example, if you just put up the other article, Scotty, the other uh, Observer or, or Guardian article. It's the Observer view Again, there's an editorial by the staff, basically, of the Observer. Um, Even Donald Trump, base must doubt him now. Well, that's obviously wishful thinking, because like, they obviously don't. Um, and the, the text that's interesting from that is, uh, it's just somewhere down in the text, but I have it here. When Cohen, admit, when Cohen comma, admittedly a convicted perjurer, spoke of Trump's innate racism, habitual mendacity, and potential criminality, it carried the unmistakable sting of truth. So this is coming from the Guardian, right? And, and, uh, and it's coming from all of the, most of the media basically saying similar things, but if you just look at those, those, that, that, that one sentence, Cohen, admittedly a convicted perjurer, I admittedly a convicted liar said something, it carried the unmistakable sting of truth. Why, why would you assume that someone who's who you say yourself is a known liar when he says something that it carries the unmistakable sting of truth. No, it doesn't. By definition, it is highly likely that he's lying because he's a liar. And you've just said he's a liar. But it, this, is, it, this is the level of delusion more. that these people are, uh, get into and wishful thinking in terms of their desire to to double down on the Trump. Yeah. And, and the other thing that bugs me about it is that on the same website, uh, the Guardian website, you know, you have, you have statements like that, these obviously blinkered, ideologically driven, totally biased, absolutely 100% biased, No, in no way impartial or objective journalism at all. Alongside it, you have advertisements for The Guardian uh, saying this is The Guardian's model for open independent journalism. Our mission is to keep independent journalism accessible to everyone. And down the bottom of almost every article, uh, they have, as the Mueller invest. if you go down to the very bottom there, right down at the bottom of one of those articles. Um, There, right there. As the Mueller investigation unfolds, dot, dot, dot. There's a headline at the bottom of the text of the article. There's a little blurb from The Guardian. The Guardian offers clarity at this critical moment in American history. As the the most momentous political probe since Watergate plays out, Mm. we will continue to provide insight, analysis, and factual reporting to help bring the truth to light. This is the bottom of an article where the guy's saying, Yeah, this liar, Cohen, who's saying bad things about Trump, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Even though I admit he's a liar, but here, because he's saying bad stuff about Trump, that has been said repeatedly for the past two and a half years, uh, it's the truth, obviously. But, and this is us providing you insight analysis and factual reporting to help bring the truth to light. I mean, people wonder why people don't believe the media anymore. I mean, it's obviously biased and they're presenting this as objective analysis, factual objective analysis. when it's obviously massively biased, Mm -hmm. but they don't seem to even be be able to see that themselves, how how transparent their bias actually is. And then they juxtapose it with claims of being truthful and factual and objective. This
0: messaging... This messaging, obviously that one was tailored for this story and for that article. But that basic blurb has appeared under the Guardian. It's on a bunch of
1: any articles that refer to Trump. It
0: it pops up even when you just go to the homepage, guardian.co.uk. I am pretty certain it first appeared the morning after Trump was elected. Something broke that day whereby a liberal, the liberal paper in London, sort of intuited, wrote, the situation, but the writing is on the wall for us, even though that's an election over there in the United States, it has reverberations for our hold, I suppose, on people's minds, if it's a war for people's minds. Mm -hmm. They just knew the writing was on the wall, and they started popping up, you know, where, you know, basically, we really need your help. Send us your money. Given them what's going on, look at all the fake news we're having to battle on your behalf, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so they're 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 campaigning as well. It's weird other the British newspapers full-frontal campaigning in the US election. Um I want to say that it's actually more pernicious than that Co- Cohen is a liar and he did commit perjury, but here's the actual he, he's going you know he's going to prison for 2 months mm-hmm. because he lied to the FBI.
2: Mhm.
0: Well, yeah, well, what was it? He he lied about exactly when the Trump Tower of Moscow um idea trump wanted to build a tower in moscow and he was thinking about it as late as 2015 i when the campaigning started and he was having mike cohen call someone up he tried to get to call someone in the the kremlin that's that's trump in his kind of naive sort of american business way call someone at the kremlin see if we can't get a deal going For my personal business Mm -hmm. reasons, you know, I want a Trump Tower in Moscow. I've got them in other cities. Why not Moscow? Mm -hmm. Um, And those discussions did take place then. The Russian government has since said, as we told uh, Michael Cohen at the time, you're asking the wrong people. But if you want to contact the Moscow city authorities,
1: go ahead. ahead that's what but that's but that's not the way that Trump wanted to do it he wanted to pull some strings right which is the way he usually is used to doing things and that's, and that's the way you, business works that's in, that's in how Washington you, that's
0: how you do business anywhere really I suppose right. I, mean, I don't know if the Russians were being fully anyway that was their story but the lie is so there was a kind of a freakout in the Trump White House because it would have looked bad if so they did I think try to backdate when these Conversations or email or inquiries were made about a potential Trump Tower in Moscow. So yes, on a technicality, he was lying. But it's he, he was caught in a lie because of the lie that Trump is a stooge of Moscow. Therefore, any kind of contacts he has with the Russian government are evil. So that was the mistake. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to the way Flynn mm-hmm. got raked over the coals for lying to the FBI and committing perjury. Right. When he had a freak out because he goes, oh, my God, they're on to me now. And I better deny that I spoke with the ambassador, even though it's common to practice and it's perfectly fine and normal. But he went defensive and went, yeah. oh, shit, they I haven't infringed bad. anything, actually, but I've infringed an ideological set of rules right. that are unspoken in our country. Right. And I don't want to be called, so I will lie. But there was no need. It was a, there yeah. were white lies t- to cover something that wasn't necessary to do in terms of the actual law and writ of the United States and how it should
1: function. But it's not about that. It's about the way it it looks. Everything's ideological stuff. It's about the optics and how things can be spun to make you look bad even though you did nothing wrong.
0: The other thing he's going to jail for, um, it's doubly weird because as one of the congressmen, either Meadows or one of the other guys um, was querying Cohen in Congress last week he said, "This has got to be a first we've got a guy up here who's testifying as to the character of the sitting United States president who has been done for perjury and he's about shortly I believe going to go to jail for two months and what's he doing up here testifying as to the character of someone else if, well, It well, is indeed true that he broke the law
1: what he's doing up there is doing the only is trying to provide the only kind of evidence that the Mueller investigation, which the Guardian articles repeat that, you know, any day now Mueller is going to release his, uh, his, his report. So this guy's up there trying to provide, to lend his support to providing the only kind of evidence that, that the Mueller investigation will actually ever produce, which is none at all except hearsay mm-hmm. and defamation and insinuation and, 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 uh, you know, implications basically without any factual evidence that's the the entirety of the trump uh, russia uh, you know russia gate allegations have all been insinuation without any substance whatsoever i mean the thing he's what cohen is doing up there is saying exactly what i read earlier on he's he's up there in the understanding that has been given to him explicitly that he will get a short or he's getting a short jail term because He is saying the following. Given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, that there will never be a peaceful transition of power, i.e. Trump is a dictator in waiting and wants to be uh, emperor of America for life. And he is going to institute or install totalitarianism and dictatorship into America within the next two years. That's what he's. That's what he's yeah. That was he. That is what he is there to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And told to, to say that explicitly.
0: What came first, that or the media messaging, like we saw in the Guardian? Were they simultaneous? Because the messaging maybe came from the same place. Maybe the Guardian took the lead but from been, Cohen's testimony. Well, they've
1: yeah. been saying that. But they've been saying that about a variation Trump of it. For, for, ages, yeah. for, 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 since, since he's been in office, that he's he's going to be a t- dictator. This is the end of freedom in America. The end of democracy. Trump wants to be a dictator. Just pulling this stuff out of thin air yeah. with no evidence whatsoever based on what your character assessment of the shape of his face or the look of his, you know, the colour of, of his skin. Because he's orange man, he's going to be a dictator. That's yeah. the argumentation. Yeah. Uh, it's just beyond inane at this point. And, and to, the, to think that you have to actually read that kind of stuff from supposedly reputable, uh, you know, journalists and media outlets and take them seriously, it's just bizarre. It just blows my mind. The
0: other thing that Cohen is to spend two months in prison for is tax evasion. Uh specifically concerning bungs or bribes he accepted from foreign companies and foreign governments, including Kazakhstan and other places. Him and all the rest of them. Exactly. He would get basically cash for access to Trump while he was campaigning. Because they're like, Who is this guy? Looks like he's gonna be a winner. Can you get us an in with him? Maybe a meeting or just a, a question or something? A donation
1: that's, to uh... Because
0: that's how it's always done. That right. and, and he is now he is now being The law, as it should have been applied all these last hundred years, is being applied to him retrospectively, but not because he's actually considered to have done anything wrong morally, although legally he did, but because he committed, I suppose, ideological infringements. Namely, he was Trump's lawyer, and they're
1: using him, they're Hmm. squeezing him hard. Well, because he has information as Trump's lawyer. Doesn't that
0: say so much about America? That even though he's complying and giving them what they want, the dirt or the insinuation of dirt on Trump, he's still going to spend two months.
1: Two months in some minimum security prison. I know, but like that
0: his reputation is kind of shot after but, that. Like.
1: No, he's he's going to be. He'll get he'll get the perks for being yeah. a good, basically, you know, a good uh, turncoat. You know, a turning yeah. states' witness. Basically, I mean, he's have no problem. He's I'd say he's totally happy to do that. He I was mean, specifically asked
0: about the Russia gate angle. Um, he, like all the others, he said Wednesday that he has no evidence suggesting his former boss colluded with Russia. Right. Except. But, but that he has his suspicions.
1: Right. Of course, he can have suspicions. That's the whole <laughs> point. It's insinuation and, and basically just, you know, dirt, dirt digging, but without any actual dirt, but making insinuations about Trump. And that's all it's been since he was elected. Wait, I mean, there's the more. Guy, the, the thing is, his, his, the value of him as Trump's lawyer, is not that he actually has any information that he can divulge about any criminality on the part of Trump or Russiagate or whatever, whatever, but simply the fact that he is known to be, he was Trump's confidant slash lawyer that anything he says and can be paid to say will have, as the guy in the Guardian said, the ring or the sting of truth Mm. to it because well, you would assume that because he was close to Trump, anything he says can plausibly be true. So his value is in the fact that he was objectively Trump's lawyer and confidant for a, for a period of time and therefore he can say whatever he wants. Yeah, And he'll say whatever they want him to say for the right kickbacks.
0: Yeah, but like everyone else who's been hauled up before committees or the Mueller investigation or the FBI, when it actually comes to it, they don't commit at least publicly the perjury of saying definitely right. there is no. this link between Trump and Russia. They always back down, but they it's a it's a sick game because they know that, but they're up there to impugn things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cohen also said, there are so many dots that all seem to lead. That's careful lawyer speak mm-hmm. in the direction of collusion between the Kremlin and the Trump campaign. Um, as I stated in my earlier testimony, I wouldn't use the word colluding. Um, was there something odd about the back and forth? Now, when you say back and forth, the next word would be, oh, back-and-forth communication made between the Kremlin and the Trump administration. No, the word he uses is praise, the back-and-forth praise with
1: President Putin.
0: Because they, they right. but, things but that were pub- said by one was, of them off the cuff by each president. Public. Right.
2: This is his, personal opinion,
1: nothing... his personal opinion that is the same opinion that lots of other people have, based on publicly available information, that when two people <clears throat> exchange a couple of um compliments, that therefore there's probably something going on there. That's the height of it. That's what, that's what taxpayers' t- money is being wasted on with these hearings. To have this idiot up there to insinuate things on the basis that I was Trump's right-hand man and here's what I think happened. Mm. I'm not going to tell you anything factually happened because I don't have anything to tell you factually that happened. But I'll certainly say that things seemed strange to me when Trump shook Putin's hand. There seemed to be a moment of lingering and a look that conveyed some kind of, mm, and I'm, I
0: don't know what. I'm
1: no expert, but it
0: looked like a Freemasonic handshake
1: it, to me. There may have been a tickle of the palm involved there. And in my capacity as Trump's confidant, I can say this. But I'd hasten to add, I have no evidence that any wrongdoing Occurred. Really? That's it? So it's all just, it's, it's just, it's like a soap it's, opera. It's, it's just crazy. made up bullshit you, drama. You said
0: it's a waste of taxpayers' money. I wonder though if they think of it like um, worthwhile anyway, because maybe after four years of constant insinuation, it will have an impact in the next election. Who? Hmm. Like, well, spending all the money, on investigations, and so on.
1: You mean you mean the the deep state anti-Trumpers? Deep state well, of course, Democrats, they absolutely are happy to waste taxpayers' money. It doesn't mean that it's not a waste of taxpayers' money.
0: It is, but maybe they're thinking from their perspective it's that, not a waste to, that it might pay off in twenty twenty.
1: I don't think so, because well, I mean, as the Guardian guy, I mean, here's what the Guardian uh, said about Robert Mueller, the special counsel investigating Trump campaign uh, campaign's activities in the two thousand and six election. Will pre- will present his findings soon. Mueller is expected to focus on possible connections to Russian disinformation. That's already off the table. There is no, there is well, Russian disinformation, Russian disinformation and electoral subversion operations. No, already been uh, dealt with and there was nothing. There was what, like a handful of Facebook ads that may have come from Russian operatives. That's what subverted the election. Yeah, right, sure. So that's, that's dead in the water. The WikiLeaks disclosure of Hillary Clinton's campaign emails. What's that got to do, Trump? Absolutely nothing, and it probably and WikiLeaks exposed them, yes, or WikiLeaks uh, um, disclosed them. <coughs> but who gave them to the WikiLeaks <coughs> is apparently unknown still. Um, although there's obvious plausible, it's,
0: it's pretty uh, certain now, due to forensic analysis pulled up by uh, Binny and other former NSA people, that um, it was pulled f- right from the computer, right. using a USB or yeah. some other. It was so, there, it wasn't, the wasn't used, so it had to be someone who went into the building of the yeah, DNC.
1: Right. Someone who hated Hillary Clinton and who worked for Hillary Clinton yeah. and didn't like her and wanted to screw her over. Uh, so, again, absolutely nothing to do. And there'd be, since that is the truth of the matter, there will be nothing uh, that links Trump in any way to the disclosure of those Hillary Clinton emails. That's the second point. So, two, two duds so far alleged conflicts of interest and any obstruction of justice. Arising from Trump's two thousand and seventeen sacking of FBI Director James Comey, obstruction of justice.
0: He's allowed to do that,
1: but well, but there was no obstruction of justice because, as soon as Trump, when Trump fired James Comey, who was a, who is, a, was and is a liar and part of the deep state and part of the entire uh, sexed up dodgy dossier, Russia Gate, all of that nonsense, Trump fired him because he was directly involved in that. And if there was any obstruction of justice, they would have found it immediately after Comey was fired, because the firing of Comey was this massive, supposedly massive red flag Mm. that showed that uh, Trump was up to something. He was trying to hide something. So they spent the last year and a half trying to investigate and they found nothing. And then the only conclusion therefore is, is that Comey was fired because he was a liar and making shit up again about Trump. And that's why Trump fired him. So what are you going to do? You're going to condemn or denounce or impeach Trump. For getting rid of someone who is lying about him? Is that an offence? Is that, is that a, an impeachable offence? When you remove someone who is clearly lying about you and spreading false information about the president? I don't think so. So there's nothing. That, so the bottom line is this long-awaited Robert Mueller uh, investigation, uh, the, 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 the release of, of his findings will come to absolutely nothing. Right. Right. They've already released Finney. and like, yet they They've write already these, said there's no conclusions. Yeah. And yet they write these long articles building up to the moment that Mueller is going to release a big nothing burger because Trump's going to be a dictator if we don't do something about him in 2020. So how are we going to do something about him? Let's propose a Green New Deal that every American, almost to a man and woman, will hate. It's bizarre.
0: Really? They've, lost, they've lost the plot. They've Hell. diverged further. And that's... Um, I think as well it speaks to the kind of the craziness of it. Um, that there's no almost no intelligence. We've lost intelligence, as Team America said. There's no one at in, in, in the high in the high office like in Democrats or even the permanent, you know, bureaucracy going, um let's let's win this back, you know. Let's let's come up with a reasonable plan and win this back.
1: You know why there's no one there and and why it's failing is because as Trump continues in his presidency, more and more people are getting used to it and realizing that actually there's nothing really to be so worked up about here. Right, where's the fascism? He's just another president. Hmm. And even if he wins two terms, big deal. Right. I mean, really, that's the core question that people keep forgetting. It's almost like it's a people have assumed that it's it's self-evident that there's something horribly horribly wrong with the Trump presidency but to date no one has been able to provide any information or any data to substantiate that dire kind of view of the Trump presidency why why is he so hor- horrible and terrible sure He's not presidential, he don't like the way he talks, he tweets, he's, he's a bit rude and he goes off script, he's an orange man, that kind of stuff. That's why this MPC kind of uh, meme, you know, of orange man bad is, is, is very popular and is very funny to many people because they all know that it's, it really is very close to the truth, of the matter is that these people are just, I don't like him just because. And then they're but then
0: downloading that, instructions and repeating them. Right,
1: but I don't like him just because. Obviously, even for, for the people who are the anti-Trumpers, they know that that's not a, a valid argument, right? Why don't you like him just because he's orange man and he's bad? Uh, so then they have to flesh out their their emotional, you know, distaste for Trump uh, with supposedly factual narratives about that, that that, you know, that prove that he's as bad as they feel he is. So they feel that he's a bad person basically based on, the, on the, the, the way he looks and the way he talks. Yeah. They feel, that they make, they, he provokes in them a negative emotion. Not for anything he's doing or has done, but simply the way he looks and the way he talks. So in order to flesh out that bad feeling, give it some reality, they spend a lot of time making things up. Making up what they claim are factual, uh, serious, h- high crimes and misdemeanors and that, that they project onto Trump. But then the problem is that when people look into those and you have to, if, when you have to go through the the kind of serious judicial process or investigative process to actually look at those allegations, they all fall flat. Right. So it rises Trump up to Trump just this, needs, and he,
0: then he needs one platform to say literally. I don't think he's I've ever you'll ever see one of them cuss like that, to literally say it's all bullshit,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: everyone agrees. Most people agree. And that's it. That's all he needs to say.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Do we we have Cohen?
0: We've got Cohen giving his opening statement. Um, Just a quick one. Let's listen to Mike Cohen. This is his prepared statement, I think, before they actually started interviewing him.
3: Time? You can do it now. Thank you. So first I want to thank you, Chairman, I appreciate the opportunity to share some final thoughts. (laughs) I have acknowledged I have made my own mistakes, and I have owned up to them publicly and under oath. But silence and complicity in the face of the daily destruction of our basic norms and civility to one another will not be one of them. I did things and I acted improperly at times at Mr. Trump's behest. I blindly followed his demands. My loyalty to Mr. Trump has cost me everything. My family's happiness, friendships, my law license, my company, my livelihood, my honor, my reputation, and soon my freedom. And I will not sit back, say nothing, and allow him to do the same to the country. Indeed, given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, that there will never be a peaceful transition of power. Mm -hmm. And this is why I agreed to appear before you today. In closing, Uh I'd like to say directly to the president, we honor our veterans, even in the rain. You tell the truth, even when it doesn't aggrandize you. You respect the law and our incredible law enforcement agents. You don't villainize them.
0: Blah 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 Don't blah
3: blah. Generals, of gold Star families, My God, of it's like
1: bringing up all the old tropes, basically. Basically,
0: Um you notice that he—it's—it's it's so vague. It's like all the uncivility we've seen in the country the last few years. It's his fault, right. and he alludes to a cult of personality. But now I've seen the light. I was under his spell. Yeah, I no longer. I'm free. I'm so sorry. Mea culpa, mea culpa. I won't tell you any specific things because there are none. But. I will agree with the party line. Yeah. It's bizarre how the U.S. works. There's this hidden, hidden. I want to say hidden. I mean, we talk about the deep state and who is actual personnel and structures and how it works, but it's more like um, an unspoken ideology of silence. He's speaking to a party line from, I suppose, an imaginary party that doesn't actually exist in, in, a, in a concrete reality, but it it's, it stokes the fear of God in a lot of people. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's gotten to him big time, as if it's as real as anything concrete, you know.
1: Well, but he's, he could be lying. He's yeah. a lawyer,
0: or he may not actually feel any. Uh, there may not be any of his personal investment or sincerity in, what, in the state in the no. words he's just said. Of course,
1: well, he doesn't believe any of it. Right, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but but, he, but he's is.
0: compelled to say it. He's compelled to be on record in Congress. As, right, this because, is what I believe
1: because that's the deal yeah he was given he was <clears throat> he was told that this is what you need to say you understand this is the kind of tone you need to take because the point of all this is to demonize trump yeah. so get out there and do it and we'll make sure you're looked after yeah that's how that's how bad it is there's no reason not to think that that is how bad it is yeah
0: and for americans like just think like of the potential for that kind of thing to to become concrete, to, to move more and more from the abstract into the concrete. What you can and cannot say, I mean, they already get a taste of it in the pushback on social media and Twitter mm-hmm. to simply get banned or something, um, or demonetized or whatever. But <clears throat> now, if you're slightly higher up the food chain, you're the lawyer of a, a former lawyer of a president and you're not on board with the party line in mm-hmm. quotes. You uh, point taken. It's he's he's going to be treated lightly, but nevertheless, he is officially going down for two months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's a big that's a big kind of t- yeah, it's totalitarian stick to hold over people. Right. Um for the country of the First Amendment, free speech, um, the right to petition your government, the right to free assembly, i.e. form assembly with others of like minds. In any way you see fit mm-hmm. that 's basically saying, no screw that you go to prison if you 're not uh, on our assembly there 's only one way here in this country uh, mm-hmm. um, damn
1: yeah, and obviously the reaction to trump 's speech there uh, in the uh, at the conservative what was it called political action conference conference yeah was uh, from <laughs> well you can imagine what the reaction to it was from fr- from cnn there 's a yeah, uh, here's a title just from today. CNN <laughs> oh, analyst claims that. Trump's speech uh, was like Hitler's. <laughs> He's literally Hitler. And yeah. that's, I mean, that ties in with the absurd. I mean, here's an example of some nutbag on, on, on CNN saying that Trump's speech and some of the words he used make him literally Hitler. Mm. Uh, and that's, okay, maybe she's a bit off the wall. People, kind of, some people, maybe, you know, roll their eyes at CNN. Then you go to, the, like, a, like we did earlier on, you go to The Guardian, a respected you know, uh, intellectual uh, newspaper from the UK, you know, hundreds of years, of years old, and they're, uh, they're saying exactly the same thing, just in more flowery language, you know. Um, just scroll down to the, the video there, Scotty, um, a bit more of that one right there. Can you, will that play? And also said this today,
2: listen guys. The men and women here today are on the front lines of protecting America's interest, defending America's value, and reclaiming our nation's priceless heritage. We have people in Congress, right now, we have people in Congress that hate our country. And you know that. And we can name every one of them if they want. They hate our country.
4: Sam, the idea of preserving heritage taps into historically darker times, certainly. Not only that, though, you say what we heard from the president in in those remarks also could pose a national security concern. Well, Ana, his statement makes me sick. On a personal level, preserving our heritage, reclaiming our heritage, that sounds a lot like a certain leader that killed members of my family and about six million other uh, Jews in the 1940s. But on a national security level, the president talks about preserving our heritage as a catch-all for implementing policies that misallocate resources. He pretends that there are massive flows of illegal immigrants coming over our borders and is spending billions of dollars on a border wall emergency instead of paying attention to real national security threats. He sounds a lot like despotic leaders that have talked about white heritage and white nationalism around the world and is putting resources in the wrong place and pretending that there are foreign people trying to uh, influence our country in a way that just isn't accurate. Who does that speak?
1: Blah blah blah. Yeah. So he's so she, the CNN host. Uh, stay on that one, Scotty. There, will you stay on that uh, picture on on that uh, article? Because the problems obviously there. So was that? Uh, yeah. What he said was preserving our heritage or re- reclaiming our heritage, and that uh, was is apparently something that Hitler said, except in German. So uh, of some or or something similar to that. I mean, obviously... Ein
2: Reich, Ein Volk. Yes, it, it's
0: very similar.
1: Well, obviously Hitler, <laughs> said a, Hitler said a lot of things and you could probably, if you go through all the text of Hitler's speeches, you could probably find a lot of Hitlers out there, right? Maybe, maybe. Some or of a things, lot that you agree with well, as a
0: progressive lefty.
1: Maybe. But as uh, a lot of things that I'm saying right now, maybe Hitler said them at one time. You know, he maybe used the words, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, any of the words that I've just spoken, he may have used them, and I could be little to Hitler as well then. But the funny thing is that just down below that, there's uh, the the exact same phrase, uh, or at least reference to heritage, was used by Joe Biden. You can just play that. It's just a short one, I think.
2: Uh, (laughs) It's time to stand up. It's time to fight back. It's time to reclaim our heritage, and it's time, Mm -hmm. and we are ready. We are Yay. looking for this fight. The Ooh. future of our country depends on it. Do it.
1: Yeah, there's
0: very a lot a good, Joe. There's a lot more Hitler coming out of that. It, it does <sighs> sound a
1: bit more Hitlerish, yeah, that one, when he used the term of reclaiming our heritage. So um, Trump says reclaim our heritage, Hitler. Joe Biden says a few years ago, uh, several years ago, reclaim our heritage. Not Hitler. Crickets. So that's the level of discourse. And it's interesting, there just to beat up in the media a little bit more, CNN had that person on. And knowing what they were going to say, more or less, uh, and actually encouraged her. Um, I mean, the the host of CNN there made it clear that before the girl, the 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 guest who actually said he's more or less like he's literally Hitler, like he he's he's pretty much the same person who killed six million Jews. Uh, she um, gave a preamble that made it clear that she knew that she was going to say that, talking about you know right. back to darker times. So CNN. Uh, as, you know, the reputable news organization that it is, deliberately and knowingly and, you know, uh, produced and tabled a a segment where they would pick a few words from Trump's speech, uh, specifically with the words reclaim our heritage in it and have someone come on and say that he's literally Hitler. Yeah. And then people wonder why there's memes like now today of, of where people get to, you know, Ridicule all the people by saying, you know, using the frame, using the phrase literally Hitler, yeah, because it's so overused, you know. And it's there's the old, uh, what there's that um that uh, there's some, what is it uh, about the uh, about arguments, uh, the Godwin's the law, Godwin's law. There you go. About the uh, the first person to use a reference to Hitler and the Nazis loses basically <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the argument. argument. Uh, so yeah, that's the state of the media right now, and it's amazing that. In a sense, it's the U.S. So
0: is a dictatorship, but only insofar as everyone else who might otherwise be contenders has basically fled. They vacated. The Trump's left there standing. Hello? Anyone want to challenge me? Like, actually, properly? No.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Um, I that's qu- not good. Quick um, on virtue signaling and mass hysteria in the United States. The Washington Post has corrected its erroneous coverage of a confrontation between the Coventing Catholic schoolboys and the Native American activist Nathan Phillips at the Lincoln Memorial two months after publishing their misleading story that got that whole shtick rolling. Yeah, they've retracted it all right, because they're facing a $250 million lawsuit and also because they know they'd lose it and so they've quietly said, yeah, no. The kid wasn't being a racist. We made it up, basically. It's a kind of example. Of, uh, this kind of thing would really gripe on ordinary people, you know. Um, but they think it's a winning a winning strategy. They they don't mind that the story dies six six weeks later because mm. by then there's some other hysteria there flaming up, you know.
1: Mm. Um, and well, the thing is that that level of media hysteria and rhetoric, and not just from the media, but from a lot of people uh, on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Uh, and specifically around Trump, what people have to remember is that, you know, we're not necessarily defending Trump. The problem is that the, the discourse is being dominated by people uh, who are using ridiculous and hysterical accusations that are fundamentally false against Trump. And we spend most of our time actually, you know, correcting or, or, or dealing with that ridiculous hysteria and and, and lies, basically, because they, they dominate. If those people... if in another universe where Trump had been elected and nobody really had minded the left, leftist or the media in general had not really cared so much about him and hadn't spent the past two and a half years uh, demonising him uh, and telling lies about him, um, we would have had a lot more time to critique mm. Donald Trump and the policies of Donald Trump uh, as as far as they have have uh, played out o- over his presidency to date. But we. We don't really have time to do that, and it's not really, in a certain sense, it's. We do that to some extent, but it's not really even appropriate for us to do it because the greater and more egregious lies are all coming from the leftist, yeah. lefty establishment, uh, and, we're all and being deep f- state against Trump. So, I mean, if we're going to deal with well, our, our primary focus is to is to combat lies and disinformation, and the vast majority of that is coming from the 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 areas that it's coming from in the in the in the washington establishment and on the in the lefty kind of media so called lefty media it's coming from them uh, all of those lies and, and disinformation are coming from them towards trump so obviously w- people could be mistaken for thinking that we actually support trump we mm. think he's a great guy we love him and it's, it's not true just because we're pointing out all the lies that are directed towards him if you would all shut up and stop spreading bullshit nonsense about him then we might have some time to actually or have more time to critique his actual policies and what he's actually doing, you know, so. Yeah.
0: Instead, they drag everyone down into the gutter with them. Right. And like you said, orange well, man bad yeah. being ridiculous doesn't necessarily mean that orange man's savior. Right, exactly. The US has fundamental structural problems, economically, of course. Right. Politically, the divisiveness is, well, and, is dangerous. It still is a kind of a, a hot, it's a hot situation right. where people could take up arms. The very thing they're accusing, they keep, they're almost inadvertently baiting people Americans to
1: mm-hmm.
0: to come back at them and uh with with weapons because the the overwhelming pressure is still on people to conform to that quote unquote hidden party line when um last week um Trump made reference to it actually at this conference, and he brought the kid up on stage a a young student, a kind of conservative activist student at Berkeley or somewhere in California he was attacked last week. On campus, filming or interviewing someone, um, by a kind of crazed lefty Greenberg, someone, some American Jewish lefty, who was caught on camera punching him square in the face. Um, now on another day, maybe the guy would have punched him back, but I suspect that, for the most part, the overwhelming sense of impunity toward, uh, uh, up to and including committing acts of violence, lies with, uh, the the minority anti-Trump side. Mm. That hasn't swung yet, but America still retains the potential to bring about the very worst horror that they're talking up all the time, mm. baiting I'm that sure majority into a violent reaction. Because, yeah.
1: but it's, it'll it'll be a while. I don't think I'm not, not, necessar- not I'm not necessarily sure that, that will happen, because in those kind of conflicts, um, it's the people who are the people in the majority. Are usually the ones who are defamed the most if you know what I mean and, and attacked the most by a small minority who feel kind of like they're cornered and they, they're aware of their own um, well, they're aware that they're in the minority and that they don't have a lot of chances you know they're, they're going against the running against the grain basically Yeah. yeah. and that makes them all the more uh, kind of Vociferous and and extremist, they're feeling exposed until
0: recent times they did the work quietly in the shadows, but now
1: they're out in front, they're desperate essentially. And when they're desperate, they scream and shout. And then the majority takes that as evidence that they're that the majority is the majority and that they really don't have anything to worry about, they just have to keep on going, right? So it'll take a lot more, uh, it would take a lot of it would take the the leftist to kind of um. Activists to really start to, kind of dominate and control the situation and uh, and turn things around to their advantage for the majority to to stand up and try and do something about it. You know, yeah. Um. So I have to see that still could happen, I suppose. But uh, the way things are going, you know, but I think it's more likely that America will descend into kind of some form of totalitarianism, uh, but kind of soft totalitarianism where it's it's not overt. Um, it's covert totalitarianism in the sense that, you know, if you look at social media in the way the censorship that's being imposed and uh, you have so
0: infringed our community guidelines. Right, you that, mean that, you just censored me? Right. Thanks.
1: <laughs> that kind of thing where people just go, well, you know, it's a free market that just decided. So that's the way it should go. And companies should be allowed to decide what's on the platform and not. And um, and a lot, of, a lot of stuff will pass. A lot of totalitarian stuff will pass under the guise of um uh Kind of human rights or uh, minority rights, uh, you know, um, social kind of, justice. Suppo- supposedly social justice or, or positive uh, ideals. Essentially, stuff will pass then, and and people will find themselves in a, in a and it's it's kind of like the fabled kind of boiling frog, you know. Where right, it, it happens slowly, and people then wake up almost one, almost like they wake up one day and they're already there, they're they're they're, they're crossed the line type thing. There's not much they can do about it, you know. I yeah. think that's more likely than any kind of a major. Civil war, Unf- unfortunately for Alex Jones, you know, I don't think 70, 1776 is going to rise again, even if they take away your guns, which I don't think they're going to. So, um, yeah,
0: people would like a denouement. Uh, can we get some closure on this? Yeah. But
1: sadly, it's a yeah, but speaking of being able to like critique Trump, one aspect would be you know, Trump's foreign policy and what's going on with the U.S with U.S. foreign policy around the world and stuff. You know, right. in terms of geopolitics, there was something this week that happened in Pakistan and India That is that there's more to it than, than meets the eye initially with uh, the nuclear standoff, mm-hmm. supposedly, that was, you know, touted for maybe a day or something. Oh, these two nuclear powers. People wonder gonna...
0: People wonder why we don't worry much about the bomb, mm. you know, to use the line from the movie. But this story is a great indication of it. Um, yeah. in itself, it was a remarkable incident because Kashmir hasn't flared like this, and thus India versus Pakistan since nineteen seventy one. Mm. That's remarkable. That's a half a century. Throughout all the years of the Muslim terror, global war on terror, mm-hmm. there have been there have been issues. Uh, Mumbai was a major terror attack, and um, probably coming mostly through Pakistan, but there's also evidence of direct Western and other foreign intervention there uh, in that one. But um, this. Excluding that and a few other terror attacks in India, there's been no major war conflict, major conventional war conflict between mm. the two countries for half a century, mm. and now it kicks off. What yeah. the
1: hell? Um, yeah. Um, well, I suppose the the kind of the geo geopolitics behind this is if you look at a map of of Pakistan and this uh, disputed area, which is disputed between uh, Pakistan, India, and China, uh, it's called well Jammu and Kashmir, and then there's Few other names for the for the area, but it's basically to the north of India, to the north of Pakistan, and to obviously to the east of on the eastern border of of China. Um, India and Pakistan have been fighting over it for for quite a long time. Um, there's pa- Pakistanis occupy some of it, India occupies some of it, and China occupies some of it. Um, but it it essentially directly relates to a broader scale geopolitical situation. Uh, that we've talked about before, in terms of, uh, I suppose China's initiative, One Belt One Road, the Eurasian integration, and that kind of stuff, because a big part of the uh, of China's of that initiative by China uh, is, is something called the China Pakistan Economic Corridor, which would run through this area that India and Pakistan and primarily are, are fighting over, you know, as a way for China to build basically railroads uh, from China through this area and then on into Pakistan proper and down to the Indian Ocean. And it's a way for China to uh, circumvent the Malacca Straits, which right. is a, 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 a well-known choke point uh, that the U.S. is well aware of as, and even had war games with Australia several years ago, uh, simulating the the blockading of that Malacca Straits, which is down over... Uh, Singapore, in, Malaysia, Indonesia. Right, Indonesia, Indonesia yeah. yeah. Through which a lot of a lot of Chinese goods, obviously coming to the West, everything west of China, uh, 90 percent oh, of yeah, it, yeah, yeah, all coming or through, all coming through those like that. those straits. And the US had simulated blockading it uh, in naval war games, essentially. So it's kind of up there for the Chinese as a way as, as something that they need to be able to circumvent in one way. The obvious way to circumvent it is a land corridor uh, from China <clears throat> directly, like I said, through this conflict conflict area down into. Uh, the the coast of uh, Pakistan on into the Indian Ocean basically right there beside the Gulf of Oman and the the Persian Gulf, um and that's obviously incidentally that's one of the reasons why Afghanistan was or the main reason why Afghanistan was invaded and occupied immediately after nine eleven by the US because Afghanistan is right to the north of uh, Pakistan and was seen as a central uh, a very important strategically very important country in in that uh, in that gap essentially between China and more or less, the Middle East and, and then the West, you know. Uh, so the US wanted to have a strong foothold there, and that's why they've never left, because they wanted a presence right there in a very strategic uh, area that would be, ext- is and will be extremely important for any future development of uh, Eurasia, or the growth of Eurasia, and its potential uh, supplanting, I suppose, uh, of the West in the global economic, order. So, um, but unsurprisingly, just in terms of the, the background of the, 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 the shoot down, supposed to shoot down of the bombings, you know, the, the, the attacks by the, by the Indians against the Pakistanis and then the Pakistanis supposedly retaliating and stuff that came on the heels of a bombing attack a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, in the same disputed area, uh, where one guy, uh, carried out a suicide bombing attack in a car against Indian military personnel in, in a convoy of buses and killed 45 of them um, and the Indians blamed the Pakistanis for that, they basically said it was state state funded, There's no real evidence that it was state funded but, although at least not by Pakistan, because this particular terror group had uh, J- um, J- uh, Jaish Jaish al-Islam, no, sorry, not Jaish al-Islam. I think the initial of J-E-M. J-E-M. Jaish al-Muhammad, not Jaish al-Islam. Jaish al-Muhammad is the name of it. It's been around, but it's directly linked to the Saudis, a Sunni kind of terror group, basically, and uh, is well-known, going back quite a long time, to having uh, connections to the Saudis. And the Saudis, obviously, are the primary funder of Islamic terrorism in the world and have been for quite a long time. So this group, uh, so you have a link there into Saudi Arabia. And when you've got a link to Saudi Arabian terrorism, you usually have a, a link to Israel, because Israelis at this point are hand in hand, in hand with uh, the Saudis. They've basically teamed up with the Saudis, bizarrely, in the Middle East uh, and to control uh, the Middle East, specifically keeping Iran back, because both Israel and Saudi Arabia have a mutual interest in keeping Iran uh, from from developing in the Middle East. And Israel's, direct, at least the direct connection between Israel and this attack was that um the israelis have been are i think they're the primary they're the primary uh weapon supplier at least last year for india That's something like 700 million dollars arms deal to india in 2018 and the missiles used by the indians so far against uh, in the response to the to the uh, or their attack on pakistan were israeli they they basically came out publicly saying that that they had used israeli uh, missiles to to shoot at pakistan so that's all that 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 situation has um broad geopolitical implications it, it can't be divorced from what i just said like the whole uh chinese initiative for the kind of one belt one road and specifically the china pakistan economic corridor that would tra- pass through this conf- conflict zone and it's an attempt by i suppose these western powers and you have to include the us so us israel saudi arabia uh in one way or another, had a hand in this uh, conflict with the Indians. In fact, the Indians, uh, the, the Indian government, has more or less thrown its lot in with the Western order and against the Chinese initiative for uh, kind of Eurasian integration. At least so far, uh, they're they're on the Western side essentially. So, uh, but I'd say it was essentially a provocation with the connivance of the Indians, but maybe maybe not with their complete awareness, but, uh, you know, uh, the actual terror attack being facilitated by Saudi, uh, the Saudi monarchy. Uh, Obviously, you know, a guy, uh, terrorists can't just, you know, in in, in somewhere like, in somewhere like um, in this conflict zone of Jamal Kashmir. It's very highly
0: uh, controlled by by militaries on both sides.
1: All three, China, Pakistan and India. So how do you get a guy in there with, you know, 100 kilos of explosives in a car, you know, and, uh, and be able to approach, you know, have the logistics and the intelligence and all that kind of stuff to approach uh, uh, an Indian convoy of, of, of buses carrying paramilitary or military personnel and stuff. It, you know, it, all terrorists have some state financing, directly or indirectly. Um, so, yeah, it was essentially a provocation to destabilise that region and to, in that way, Keep it destabilized so it thwarts because the Chinese need peace across that entire region to facilitate their yeah. their uh, their economic corridor, basically in the building of railways and roads and infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. So if it's a hotbed of suicide bombing attacks and then Pakistan and India militaries kind of having a go at each other, it's not exactly ideal for for the for the Chinese and for the idea of Eurasian, their project of Eurasian integration. Um. The so, and the people obviously who are against that would be primarily the U.S. and the Western world order in connivance with their friends in Israel and Saudi Arabia.
0: Busted wide open.
1: More or less. That's More or, or less.
0: The Indian Prime Minister um, kind of taking a break from the conventional, screw you, it's your fault, we hate you. They broke away from that completely when he made a statement on Thursday. This is the quote. The enemy tries to destabilize us, carries out terror attacks. They want to stop our growth.
2: Hmm.
0: We are we Indians are standing like a rock to counter their evil designs. Stop our growth. That doesn't sound but but to out economic growth. Do you mean because you've got to think about that? Okay, so this terrorist outfit JEM in Pakistan, they insinuate with the in other statements they make with the backing of Islamabad so the Pakistani government did that to stop us from growing, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> because no. you, why would you blow up your neighbor to stop them growing when it's going to obviously impact you with a repercussion?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's that kind of hangs in the air. They want to stop our growth. Their evil designs. I I'm pretty sure he's speaking to like to something else going on along the lines of what you just described. Maybe here, an intrigue that's more complex than Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Look how quickly they made peace with each other.
1: Right. Well, they don't want to die in a nuclear conflagration, you know. So. Right. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen anyway, but there's a threat of it. It's mutually assured destruction, which, uh, same reason, there's going to be no hot war between America, or nuclear war between America and the US, or anybody else, really. Or, sorry, America and Russia. There are a couple of other...
0: Pakistan, Pakistan has a terrorism problem, because they have, mm. um, with the blessing over the decades of the Saudis and the British, um, and then the Americans, I suppose, later, after the beginning of the the Soviet the Soviet trying to kick the Soviets out in Afghanistan. Um Pakistan was basically trained um to go and use terror as government policy. And it's been so normal for them. It's like, what's everyone getting upset about? Mm-hmm. That's just what we've been doing for a century. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we speak the right language publicly, but everyone knows we use terror. Mm-hmm. So they do objectively have a terror problem. Uh, it's partly insofar as they themselves are using it and also because they don't have full control right. over this. Right. Um so uh the former British diplomat Alastair Crook, he he's he's writing now full time, he got some really interesting analysis and stuff. He suggests that what's going on here um uh is that Pakistan kind of in quotes as in a kind of the establishment, ISI, the one that was closest mm-hmm. to the CIA for decades, so not necessarily the Khan government in Pakistan, mm-hmm. um, has been emboldened by favoritism. Now, this is kind of jarring because a year or two ago Trump said Pakistan's evil and withheld, I think, for one year or two, the military aid payments mm-hmm. that are normally made to Pakistan. So that's
1: because it was it was Currying favor with Russia, basically, and and Iran, it was and China even, it was looking east and north essentially instead okay. of like. It's,
0: oh, Crook suggests that, despite Trump White House signaling that in the background, actually, your deep state or Pentagon Israel firsters were actually signaling to Pakistan. Um, don't worry, we're very much going to need you because we're all about. Getting Iran right, but that itself is all about maintaining a foothold in Eurasia mm-hmm. to thwart Russian Chinese integration of the region. Um, uh, he brings in, you remember, there was another bombing recently, um, across the border in Pakistan mm. that was in the Baluchistan province. Mm-hmm. That's a hotbed because it borders Pakistan and Iran, right? right. Um, Iranian troops were killed in a parade. I think there are 27 members killed. That was on February 13th. Suicide attacker.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, suicide. An explosive-laden vehicle was rammed into a bus carrying Iranian troops.
1: Mm-hmm. Same Very thing.
0: bloody, similar to what happened. That mm-hmm. was February 13th. Right. Um, now, Iran went ballistic publicly in a statement and said this was planned and carried out from inside of Pakistan. Right. At the same time, they have good relations with Pakistan. So, Mm-hmm. Damn you, you bastards. We know this came from your territory, mm-hmm. but current government, it's okay. But we yeah. know you don't have exactly a, control, a whole control on this situation. He goes on to say that U.S. special, this is Crook speaking, um, U.S. special forces, um, he's heard, I'm not sure from where, but that the ones that are being drawn down from Syria are redeploying to the new Iraqi hub, which Trump did publicly declare um, in northern Iraq. Trump said he gave it away to watch Iran. Um, that's kind of left the cat out of the bag that, mm-hmm. okay, well, Syria, right, we'll, we'll leave a little bit of a foothold, but actually we want to redirect. So that's coming at Iran from the West. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, um, the big strategic issue apparently in the deep, in the Pentagon at the moment is how to maintain in perpetuity mm-hmm. a presence in Afghanistan mm-hmm. Um not necessarily in Pakistan directly, but Afghanistan. They want a base. They want. It's not even that they want a hard base. That they, they, they know that things are changing and constantly fluid. Mm-hmm. They want situations where, um, oh, oops, there's been a, another flare-up of this terrorist problem now in this country. Mm-hmm. We can help you with that. It's basically they're selling their service. They're trying to wing it whether by they're the selling the services of look. You don't want a war between you and your neighbor. So you've got a terrorist problem. It's basically like uh, this is the Americans trying to sell their version of um, Terror Roundup. You know, Monsanto's Roundup. Mm -hmm. We have the product for you. It's Terror Roundup. Mm -hmm. You just need our money and our special forces. Ideally, a permanent base in your country, but we understand if that that's a bit too much. But we'd like kind of temporary lily pads—they're mm-hmm. called—where we have the rights to fly in and out of here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in a way, it's a, it's their counterproposal to what the Russians and Chinese are saying, which is. How about you make serious, actual peace, genuinely clear out the terrorists, mm-hmm. and start building motorways and waterworks and mm-hmm. cities? Yeah, the Americans is saying, "You don't want that product. You want this one. This is much better." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah. The uh, I mean, I talked about the talking about the 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 China Pakistan um, economic corridor that runs through this area it would like I mean initially the plan is obviously it would go to a railway that would go to the to the sea uh the gulf essentially the indian ocean the gulf of Oman and near the persian gulf there uh, uh in 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 pakistan this would for, for chinese products obviously coming from china to there and then on the boats but it would also by implication be the first stage in possibly more railways through iran through iraq through syria and over to europe and not only that but it would also potentially link up uh china directly to iranian land-based oil supplies which right. again would s- s- sub, uh, sub, um, circumvent the malacca straits because a lot of chinese a lot of oil that and china needs a lot of oil comes by sea from from the middle east right uh, But this would, if you, if they, if the Chinese were able to get kind of infrastructure down through Pakistan, then they're right there at the Iranian border, and it wouldn't be too hard to cutting through Central Asia to right hook up the Middle East. Yeah, hook up uh, China to Iranian oil directly, and that Mm -hmm. would be a boon for Iran, obviously, and that's one that's a red flag for the Israelis as well. So basically, the Israelis and obviously for the Saudis, because Iran would threaten to supplant Saudi Arabia and if Saudi Arabia is supplanted, then America is in trouble as well. So these three people, these three countries, uh, US, Israel and Saudi Arabia, are all um, dead set against or want to do whatever they can to, to stop this this project, this Chinese project, to hook China up to, through Pakistan, up to Iran, effectively. Uh, it's it's an existential crisis for the three of them, basically. So, um, And the Israelis have been trying to Obviously, there's a religious aspect to this as well in the sense that the Pakistanis are primarily um, uh, Muslim and the Indians are primarily Hindu and there's obviously a long-standing, has been a long-standing issue uh, in India between India and Pakistan on religious grounds. That's why they basically split when they used to be just the Indian subcontinent under the British Raj or the British Empire. Uh, It was split off in about 1950 or so uh, into Pakistan and India. Um, But in India, there is still about even though it's got a population of 1.2 billion there's about 180 or 200 million uh, muslims still in india and they're not you know there's a there's a, there's a there's a, they don't get on very well let's say there's a real there's a, there's a religious divide in india between the, their very right. sm, small minority still 200 million people small minority of muslims versus the hindus yeah. and of course the israelis would find common cause with the indians in saying those dirty muslims mm-hmm. right you know you and i have uh, we know, we know what the problem is here, right? It's, yeah. it's the mossies, right? You have a mossy problem, and so do we. Israel have a mossy problem called the Palestinians and the Syrians and the Iraqis and the Lebanese and everybody else. So um, that's that's a you know that's that's a common cause essentially, but ultimately mm-hmm. uh, it's not ultimately it's not good for India anyway. I don't know, I don't really understand understand why India seems to have ha, been balking, even though, though there are a number of bricks and stuff. They still seem to be dithering, essentially, on, on whether or not to go full Eurasian integration type of thing. Because they're, they're antsy about
0: China's... They're a bit, China has a head start on them. India's going to be next, right. like the next generation, in right. theory. If India thinks last they, can,
1: they can pull oh, yeah. their own weight type thing Oh, yeah, well, why would they? They have almost like the same freaking size population. Right. So they think they can hold their own, essentially, yeah. or go, go their own.
0: And they're currently led by
1: a nationalist...
0: Right. Leader, which is unusual. And, which, right. and they're Hindu nationalists, so they have, fin- yeah. they would see eye to eye. But I think they're also, Indians are like, India's old. Right. They know Israel's so like, they, I think mm. they're playing a game like Well, they are, wow. yeah.
1: But, uh, and they're also being made, you know, they're open for offers, I think is the thing. You know, they, they realize their, their economic potential with this, the size of the population and the resources they have. And so they're almost, you know, playing both sides against each other in a certain sense. Certainly, they're being made offers by the Americans and by the Israelis. I mean, I mentioned earlier on that uh, the Israelis are India's uh, major, number one arms. Uh, are they number one? For, for India, yeah. Right, wow. In the last year. That's a flip in because the last year.
0: India would have been traditionally... Would have been pro-Soviet, anti-Zionist, but it's in. It's they've taken a different tack.
1: Well, uh, again, that is evidence of them kind of playing both sides, you yeah. know, batting for both teams. Uh, they just opened a, a, a massive AK forty seven manufacturing uh, company in our plant in in India to manufacture AK forty seven under license, obviously from the Russian manufacturer, you know. So, yeah, it's just...
0: Another piece of data, India Modi
1: is up for a re-election this year. Right, well, that's... This is a other... nice
0: little, like, nationalist, yeah, country. It... He's doing he's doing the MAGA thing.
1: Yeah, it didn't really go very well, though, for him, that, uh, because it looks like, I mean, India got his plane shot down, you know what I mean? I mean, still, he probably tried to salvage something out of it, and there was a lot of media hype, and all the media was really used to the population up into a bit of jingoism and to there was a big fanfare and welcome of the pilot who was captured yeah. by the Pakistani army by when he was released to welcome him back home and all these little kids with you know he yeah, had this, yeah, what well whatever they call it the mustache handlebars the handlebar mustache on and stuff, you know. Um so yeah they did everything they possibly could to get Modi did everything he possibly could to get uh, as much nationalism out of it. And yeah, and much as much election electioneering out of it essentially, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there is that cynical aspect to it as well. that They're not really serious about fighting with each other, but, you know, Modi's up for re-election, so, you know, i got to fire off a few missiles.
0: <laughs> it's not the first time, though, that they've done, quote-unquote, surgical operations. Right. In, they, they have actually crossed into Pakistan once before in, under Modi. Mm. Um, they claim, this is the thing, you see, India has claimed they, here they bombed um, a terrorist base. Inside Pakistan or right. Pakistani control Kashmir, Pakistanis showed photos of no, no, they just hit a few trees, and actually they made it very funny. They're going to um, they're going to lodge a petition somewhere at the UN. I'm not sure, um, against India for eco crimes right. for, for blowing up ancient blowing up pine trees. trees. <laughs> yeah. um, so the the Pakistanis are they're they're, they're being very coy, but so are the Indians. the Indians are claiming yet yeah, they previously, a couple of years ago, hit a terrorist base. They also, this time, hit a terrorist base. I'm and sure there was a response it. to... But no one will know because no one's going to admit that Pakistanis aren't going to... They're going to save phase two for the, for the cause of nationalism. And so the Indians, say, claim whatever they want. But objectively, just at the level of terrorism, objectively, truth, so to speak, in this situation is on India's side. Pakistan is a hotbed of terrorism.
1: Yeah, well, they need to do something about it, but I don't think it's the Pakistani government that's involved in it. Like I said, it's, Saudi, it's the Saudis and the Israelis. And all
0: well, the Americans.
1: And the Americans who are behind um, behind a lot of Islamic terrorism the as a Paci- destabilizing factor.
0: But it's always been the case. And Pakistan, Pakistan should... Well, I better be careful what I say. I was going to say it should never have existed, but it exists. I accept Pakistan exists. I'm not saying it shouldn't exist now. But it... It was like the original Islamic State. Right. Like the capital they call Islamabad.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) If you're calling it oh, I'm gonna call this capital Christian city. I mean it's just like it was it was created to give the Muslims of the sub Sub Indian continent their Mm -hmm. rightful heritage. But then two hundred million Muslims remained in, in India, but just it was a crazy situation and it's no surprise that it's a major fracture point. 60 years later. Um, The long game still says uh, peace wins, development wins. But we know how easy it is to to destroy things um, things with conventional warfare. Not likely directly between each other. Um, But just, well, name some other um, incidents in recent times in Iraq and Libya. Mm-hmm. um it's uh it's always a threat you know that the next country will be uh flattened it's it's', it's so much easier to destroy than it is to build and that's the kind of right. um the hold that uh the western system has
2: mm-hmm.
0: over the, yeah. the m- more peaceful overtures of we build you hospital, mm-hmm. you just stop shooting. Yes, deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds so much more attractive on paper, mm-hmm. but the reality of day-to-day, yeah, but he has weapons and he has terrorist
1: bases. Mm-hmm. He can he can burn it down or, or blow it up. It's basically. so easy, easily provoked. Yeah. Um, one last piece of news, very important news. Scotty mentioned earlier on, before the show started, that uh, Alex Jones, uh, our favourite uh, globalist, I mean anti-globalist, uh, was on the What's his face? Joe Rogan's show. Joe Rogan show. So tell us about that, Scotty.
4: Uh, I didn't watch it. So. Ah uh, no, it was it was about uh he's on the Joe Rogan show. It was about four hours long. Wow. More than four hours. Four hours of Alex Jones. And Jesus he, Christ. he uh, he went a little bit crazy. Like he started screaming, doing his Alex Jones things, and you know he said, you know, when they brought the they brought the the, the Germans the. Or, no, what was it? Oh, it was NASA. Yeah, it yeah. was NASA. It was like NASA. NASA brought the Germans over, and they and they're, they're ruling the world, and they're trying to do this, <laughs> they're trying to do that. And then like Joe Rogan is like you know because Alex Jones can't be on any show, mm-hmm. right? I mean I like like I have a little you know my little YouTube channel, techie stuff, Scotty's Tech Info, and I make I make I post a video and I just included the name Alex Jones in the description. I didn't even say his name in mm-hmm. the video. I don't think. And they immediately demonetize it and you know, it didn't get banned or anything. Mm. But the guy has no access to anything, so somehow he ends up on Joe Rogan's show for over four hours, mm. full ads, six million views or something, Neil was saying. I think it's seven, something now. Seven million. And he, he basically ranted and then like Joe Rogan would try to bring him back and say, like, So, okay, but what about Sandy Hook? Are you saying that you really didn't mean this and that and the other thing and then Alex no i, I didn't mean that I it's like well, I just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then he and there was some other guy on there who i don't know mm. and then he would ask questions and then Alex Jones would go off again and i, I only watched like 15 minutes of it cuz that's all i could stand
1: i saw i saw a little um a little excerpt from it on um with, again it's just i'm I, I, I don't know if this was four hours was Alex Jones ranting basically, but it's, it wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising if he was. But certainly he was ranting in this little short excerpt, and um, he uh, he was saying that he was screaming about. The, he actually stood up and he was threatening to kind of like hurt the other pe- person who uh, apparently one of the other guests who was like disagreeing with him. I'll hurt you and stuff. Uh, if uh, it was Joe, Rogan's MMA buddy. Yeah, he was saying that he was going to hurt him and stuff because you know he was screaming that they are. They're, they're they're killing newborn babies, you know? They're killing them! They're killing the newborn babies! And, and I screaming that over and over again, and it's hard to make out a lot of what I said, but that was his point over and over again, they were killing newborn babies. And I just heard Joe Rogan uh, halfway through the rant saying, yeah, but that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Rogan was obviously, obviously like, trying Throwing to just him. provoke him and troll him a little bit, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, I won't be able to watch all four hours of it, but I might check out a little bit of it just for a laugh, basically. And see what they're talking about. But um yeah, Alex Jones it, it, obviously his ban from YouTube hasn't hasn't changed on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else hasn't uh hasn't quelled his his thirst for for the rant. Yeah. And for the globalists, for getting the globalists. Um yeah.
0: He's not wrong about a lot of stuff. But yeah, he, well, the, he's the just to be crazy.
1: Well the thing, yeah. He just takes a bit for the thing about I mean, I, I looked into it. At the time, and I mean, it is a bit freaky that uh, I think this was New York, New York State, basically passed new legislation allowing for late-term abortions, and by late-term abortions they mean right up until right right up until um delivery, basically until mm. you know, so that in that in that situation the baby, a full-term baby, would be born and then just kind of left to die, because the mother wanted an abortion, um, but or snipped like the. Exposed in
0: the Gosnell story, that was horrific. Right, a guy doing late-term abortions caught hundreds, probably thousands. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere in St. Louis or something. Yeah, and his thing was he would take the take, them apart. take the baby out I and mean, he snipped the back of the neck. It would be alive and screaming and stuff. But he would basically mm. decap well, not decapitate it, but yeah, uh, a
1: snip a snip spinal cord basically. Yeah, it's it's pretty grim. Like, and there's more and more states I think uh, are going that direction. And there was a couple of people on YouTube uh, called up some abortion clinics and stuff, uh, asking about because one of the one of the one of the detail that that people would argue about this claim about you know uh, full term abortions <clears throat> is that it's only under special circumstances. You know, whether there's danger to the life yeah. of the mother or that the baby is like basically non viable or is, is, is has in some way you know just, uh, you know, maybe severely handicapped or something like that. Um, but then someone, a few people on YouTube called up abortion clinics in the state of New York asking about this, and it seemed that it was, you know, one of the, <laughs> it was a girl actually who just was talking to the receptionist or talking to the person, I don't know if it was a doctor or whoever she was talking to in the clinic, about whether or not she could she have a, a, a full term, more or less full term. She said I'm more or less nine months pregnant now. She wasn't, but she was pretending that she was and uh asking about uh, the options for her being able to have to abort her baby at at nine months. and while the the, the woman on the phone in the abortion clinic give you know, give can kind of, she can't seem to be given lip service to the idea that you know that you, well you would have to get a medical doctor's uh uh certificate or or you'd have to go and see a doctor first and make sure that you know that either you are ill in some way or other there's a danger to you or there's a danger or the, the baby has issues whatever. And she said, well, what if I was, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a bit depressed. So would that be sufficient? I don't and feel so, like it. And she's more or less like, yeah. I'm just feeling a bit depressed, you know, and, and so I want an abortion. And, and the woman in the abortion clinic said, uh, well, you know, we'll have to see about that. She was really very uh, right. blah, blah. She was just trying to get through. Okay, you know, we'll see. You Convince know. me. Or Or, okay, we'll talk about that. But the The most important thing was that it was going to be seventeen thousand dollars, right? So, there's the problem right there. Is when, for a literally a five minute, or well, you know, functionally five minute abortion, or very short, very, very, very little work. Let's say very little expense on the part of abortion clinics, they can make large amounts of money. Uh, then there's obviously the danger of of them circumventing supposedly the yeah the the the, the the, the blocks that are put in to, to, for, for abusing the system, you know, and, and effectively women going in just not feeling like they want to have the baby at nine months and then having it effectively, um, having the birth happen. It's not that they're being, I mean, at, at nine months, you, I don't know why I'm going on about this, but at nine months you don't have an abortion. You give birth yeah, and then they kill the baby.
0: Or give it up for adoption, for Christ No, sake? they
1: just kill it. Right. A perfectly healthy baby. So, you know, it's, it gets to the point where, I mean, I never really had much problem with uh, accepting the idea of abortion and women's rights to have an abortion. But it seems that, that that idea, that concept is being pushed to a point where, I think, it may, may get pushed to the point where a lot more people who uh, otherwise would have had no problem with abortion will suddenly start to say, well... Maybe that's going a bit far, you know, when you're actually giving birth to a perfectly healthy, full-term baby and then mm-hmm. just killing it because yeah. the mother doesn't want it. Is that okay? I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, these are the, it's certainly the questions well, that, but, that previous were, were more or less black and white are no longer black and white. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, In
0: the U.S., like you just said, if the price is right. If the price is right, you can get whatever you want, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's capitalism for you, baby. That works. Uh, Okay, so uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, If you like the video, like, subscribe, click on the notification bell. Um, We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, have a good one. Thanks for listening and watching. Bye-bye.